Hello, and you found your way to Pathfinder's Man Scouts. My name is Tony. I'll be your host today. We have with us Greg, Captain Greg. He was on a previous interview, and he discussed some fire prevention stuff. Greg, welcome to the show. Oh, good morning, Tony. How you doing? I'm doing good. Good. So you have quite a bit of experience in prepping and so on. We've known each other for quite a while. And today, we're going to talk about some of the things that you've done in terms of your canning and your preps. Yeah, so um, every year when I have a garden, I, I put at least 80% of that away in, in canning and and uh, save it for, you know, the next upcoming year or use it for food or throughout the year or uh, for hard times. Right. Now, your preferred canning method is, what are you using exactly? Um, well, I usually use the water bath method for... Um, canning vegetables, um, meats. I usually use a pressure cooker, you know, and that's, that's more of a process. It's more of a, like 90 minutes at 10 PSI. And so canning meats is a little bit more in depth than, than doing vegetables. So let's talk about equipment needed for like the guy who's just starting, who's just really thinking about maybe he wants to start with some simple things like jams or vegetables or whatever, just some basic items that you would need to get going to start canning? Well, jars, first off. Um, Mason or Kerr uh, are pretty good brands. Uh, you're going to need um, lids, and you're also going to need the rings. Um, right now, it's pretty hard finding canning stuff. Um, you look in the stores, a lot of the shelves are... are uh, pretty bare as far as the canning um, items. I uh, have been able to find some in some hardware stores. Um, uh, if you find a little mom and pop hardware store, sometimes they have more canning stuff than um, the grocery stores do. Other items uh, you're going to need are a large pot, um, like a big stock pot uh, to do the water bath method and a pressure cooker if you're going to put meats do meats so you're going to need a, a pretty large pressure cooker now i was in the thrift store the other day and uh, my wife she loves to go through the thrift store she finds these amazing deals and i automatically i just automatically go to the gadget aisle i'm just looking at all the stuff they got there i found this one pot it was a big aluminum pot uh, and it was huge and i thought that would be perfect for canning would a big aluminum does it matter if it's aluminum stainless steel no okay no you can use either um yeah, just something large enough that you can cover the tops of your jars. Okay. So they're submerged. So how many jars would you say would fit or you would really want potentially to fit within that type of canister? Oh, well, I guess it depends on how much you're you're want, wanting to can. I mean, if you got a lot going on, you know, bigger is better, but yeah. you know, if you're just doing small production, you know, you could have a a, a smaller pot. So a friend of mine, he cans, uh, the guy down the street sells strawberries on the corner. So he'll go buy a pallet of those things and he'll make strawberry jam. Have you ever done strawberry jam? You know, I haven't done too much in the way of preserves, but uh, I've done more vegetables, more pickles, pickled peppers, uh, sauerkraut, um, sauces, uh, pico de gallo, mm. stuff like that. 
Okay. Now with like, for example, I love I, I, my vegetable garden. I grow an overabundance of tomatoes because I, I love making salsa fresca. Can you take that salsa fresca uncooked and can that, or do you have to cook it first? Actually, the process of canning it actually cooks it. Okay. So if you were to add a little bit of uh, the uh, kosher salt or the canning salt mm-hmm. and um, some vinegar with it, it should preserve it fine. Hmm. And it actually will cook it in the jar. Okay. Yeah. And the, and the cook time's really short. It's like 10 minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. It, you do about 10 minutes and pull it out and let it cool off and you'll hear the the lids pop and you know that yeah yep exactly (laughs) yeah i i haven't canned in years but i remember uh, doing a little bit i never really got too much into it Um, but i've seen your stuff and i've seen your pantry it's pretty amazing uh you're pretty well stocked up yeah um i've got peppers and stuff from last year that are still there and And they'll probably be good for another year or two i got that salmon you gave me yeah, the salmon, that's uh, that's a lot of work. You know, you, when you're doing fish, um, you want to smoke them first, low heat, and then... Cheech and Chong style? No, oh. <laughs> in the smoker. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and until uh, they start to ooze the oil just a little bit, and uh-huh. then I put them in jars, and then we add avocado oil. Oh, okay, I was wondering what that oil was. Yeah. So... Okay. I, I use an avocado oil. It seems to be the best oil to add to fish. Hmm. And then, of course, you put you put your lid on and then your ring, and then you just tighten it down just barely snug, and then put it in the pressure cooker. And then once you get up to 10 PSI, then you start the countdown for 90 minutes, and then okay. you should be good after that. And I'm sure there's a plethora of information on the internet for times and uh, methods right. for, for doing this kind of stuff. Now, what about um, people that are taking hamburger meat and they want to like just cook that down and use that? And is, can you do something like Absolutely. that? Absolutely. Okay. Yep. Um, but then again, like like I said, it's going to take for meats ninety minutes. Ninety minutes. Ninety minutes is the rule <clears throat> of thumb at ten psi for a pressure cooker. And and another thing with with canning is sterilization of all your equipment, mm. um, having clean surfaces, clean work area, uh, having your jars uh, pre-sterilized, um, you know, in boiling water, and then let them sit and air dry, and then put the product in the jar yeah. that you want to can, and then start the process. So what type of longevity do you have, let's just start with, say, vegetables versus the meats and so on? Like, does I would imagine each product has a different shelf life. I'm going to say on average a year to a year and a half. Okay. So it's a rotating type it of thing. It is a rotating. You know, and it's interesting because uh, before in one of our other podcasts, we talked about the four-tier system where you have your first tier, lights go out, whatever, earthquake, whatever your disaster of choice is, you need your food, you're unemployed. Um to go through that first, you go through your refrigerator, you go through your pantry, and then you go uh, start to rotate those foods. So if you have canned goods, and that's something else I want to just stop right here and just talk about. My my stuff that I purchased, like just canned goods from like Walmart, what have you, I had a, I had a pretty good rotation system. We changed our pantry, and lo and behold, we found way in the back some cans. Guess what the date of those cans were? Oh, 
probably like five years old, I would say. 2009. You know what? <laughs> if they're not bulged, yeah, they're probably still good. We opened what up? It was kind of funky. Oh, <laughs> but it was... Um, I'm not a big fan of those kind of beans anyway. They're the, uh, the the green beans. Okay. Yeah. But nevertheless, I digress on that. So um, I could see this being a part of that that particular, like your system two, where you're rotating your canned goods through. If I'm not a big canned food kind of guy. I don't really eat out of canned foods. But I do like the peas. I got to tell you. <laughs> but I don't like too many other vegetables in the can. Yeah. Well, I like... Just about any kind of vegetable. Um, but that being said, um, longevity, um, I guess, light temperature and um, storing it in a place that's dry. You don't want any moisture rusting your, your lids. Mm. You know, sunlight is obviously going to um, deteriorate. deteriorate stuff. And... Uh, yeah, just a cool, stable environment that the where the temperature doesn't fluctuate a whole lot. Now I notice with like, for example, the Thrive product, they sell these shelves that have automatic rotation, like cans roll down and you just keep adding to the back and it keeps rolling forward. I was too cheap and never bought one of those. I wish I would have. I would have those eleven-year-old <laughs> cans, but. Um, with your, your with your glass masons, is there a system like that that you would incorporate for rotation? Well, they're kind of delicate, you know. I mean, I guess if you had one of those, you could probably break a jar. So, oh, yeah. um, like, how do you rotate your stuff? Like, I have shelf system, so okay. like, I'll usually put the stuff I want to use first on the top shelf, and mm -hmm. then. Everything okay. else, you know, on the second, third shelf. Yeah. Um. So in regards to equipment, again, going back to that, a large pot, you need your jars, your lids, your rings, and um, you're going to need a thermometer. You're going to, what else would you need? Um, a lot of vinegar. A lot of vinegar. You know, um, vinegar what? can be used for so many things, but especially for canning, uh, especially if you're doing pickles sauerkraut you're gonna need vinegar um they also sell salt um just specifically for canning you don't want anything with iodine in it okay um it doesn't really stuff with iodine doesn't really work that well with canning it it, it can cause things to go bad um also uh they have stuff that you can add to keep the freshness of the fruit or vegetable that you're canning uh, so it doesn't turn brown hmm. so it keeps that the color not that it's bad but it makes it more pleasing to the eye that it's oh. not okay so it's more aesthetic yes. yes is it a flavor enhancer is it a... no, no it just kind of keeps things from browning <clears throat> okay all right so now if you were to um like can you do things like like venison and like like if you're gonna go pig hunt and all that kind of stuff, can you absolutely do the same thing? So, so any meat, basically. yeah. I mean, you can chunk up meat just like you would for stew and put it in a jar and pressure cook it, and it's great because then it's already cooked. You just pour it out into whatever you're preparing, and 
you have a, a ready-made meal. And, you know, when you do meat like that, it, it it's really tender. It comes, just falls apart. Nice. You know, one of the things I do, I, I do a lot. I was I used to do a lot of backpacking. I don't do as much, but I always did my own dehydration. I have a dehydrator. I kind of wish I bought a freeze dryer, but then that's like, that's a whole nother huge amount of money and time. It's, and it's so a lot of money. But uh, for like when we would go backpacking, I would make homemade chili and I would cut it up. The, the trick to dehydrating, if you're going to do a, a type of you know, stew, you have to have it in smaller chunks just so the dehydration works better. You can't do large chunks. But I would do that and it was just amazing. I, I really don't like a lot of the mountain house stuff or some of these other things because they're so overly, they're saturated with preservatives and salts. And I noticed a big difference when I was out on the trail and I would have some of those packaged meals versus my own. I would re get bind up. I mean, it was bad. Yeah. I was like, you got to fully dehydrate. Fully dehydrated stuff needs to be fully hydrated in order to consume it and your body not freak out. So in regards to like my stew, would you be able to take the wet stew and, it's, and can that? Yeah, you could do like a whole meal. So you could do like a spaghetti with with sauce a couple uh, meatballs in there yeah exactly really yeah i can i mean you could do uh like a meat sauce or mm -hmm. you could do a whole stew or roast yeah and put it in a jar so basically anything that you would serve yourself you could can done properly yes but if, you just got to remember if it has meat in it it's, it's got to be pressure that pressure cook for 90 minutes at yeah. 10 PSI. And that's just a safety thing. That that way you have gotten rid of all of the bacteria and any anything that could grow in there. So, yeah, th this is making a lot of sense in terms of... Because um, one of the things I do, I have like freeze-dried meat. And if it ever gets down to going to that third tier, which would be those dehydrated goods... I, I don't really necessarily like, although I do have some of the full course meals that are like one package, one meal thing, but I like the idea of taking separate ingredients, the meat, the pasta, whatever, the beans, the rice, and doing those separately uh, and, and rehydrating that way. I've, I've had some problems with jerky uh, where if the jerky wasn't done just right, it, it went funky. Yes. And so... That was a lesson learned in terms of dehydration. But back to your thing. So it sounds like you're kind of more leaning towards the direction of having your meat done separately and adding that or incorporating that into your other meal. It's, it's a lot easier that way. I yeah. mean, you, you can do stuff combined like that. Um, As opposed to a meal ready to eat out yeah. of a jar. Um, I, I think it's easier to do your meat separate and then just add it to whatever you have. Yeah. It, it seems to work a little bit better that way, and it's uh, less likely to get any anything growing in it or have uh, the funky bacteria. Some, yeah, something build up in there. You know, yeah. but the last thing you want to do is get yeah, sick. Yeah, you know, if you don't prepare this stuff right, you can get sick. Sure. I mean, it's uh, there that potential's there, but you know, there's you'd be amazed at the shelf life. Sometimes you can go three or four years with the stuff as long as they're you know you you push on the top of the jar and you don't hear that that pop yeah you know if it's still tight it's yeah. most likely still good yeah so um 
we really need to incorporate this, maybe do an experiment, um, do an example for one of our upcoming trainings. What do you think? Absolutely. We could do some canning as a class. It, I think people learn probably more just by watching somebody do it. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and that's so true. People that go to YouTube and say, oh, yeah, I'm a, I know how to do that until you physically do it. Just like yeah. our wilderness survival class people, they, oh, yeah, I've watched tons of survival videos. And they go out and they, they can't get a bow drill going to save their life. They cannot get an ember. So uh, hands-on is, is really it critical. Is. You know, I mean, there's a lot of good canning books. It's good reference material. But until you really just sit down and do it mm -hmm. and figure it out, you know, I learned canning from my, my grandmother, and she's she's still with us. She's 95, you know, and, and that's how they survived in Texas, you know, back in the sure. days of the, uh, you know, Great Depression. That's what we call preppers. That was just everyday life. You think about that, like we were talking about earlier. Um, <laughs> what What America used to do was they did all of this where they prepped. They were preppers. They were farmers. Um, everybody's got all these new nicknames and names and nomenclatures and Yeah, for them, labels. it was just an everyday way of life. It's, and for, it's how they lived in yep, America. Yep. And we've moved so far away from that, uh, getting your hands in the soil. Uh, my wife and I just planted our, our summer garden, uh, as a matter of fact, yesterday, or the day before. And uh, it's just so awesome to get dirty, get in there and, and get your soil going, get everything uh, prepped getting that pH up, getting it nice, uh, loomy, just beautiful soil. I got chickens. We've been composting for over, man, that last compost went for a good year, throwing uh, table scraps and chicken manure. Holy cow, that stuff is amazing. I got to give you some. It, the when it, <laughs> you only need about maybe five tablespoons of this stuff underneath your, uh, your little starters. That stuff takes off like Pretty crazy. Hot, you can actually stuff. sit there and watch it grow in front of you. Wow. <laughs> Not really, but... Yeah. <laughs> you know, I got my garden in last week, and uh, it seems to be... I In a week, it's... Yeah. You can see it's... You know, the tomatoes have grown four inches, so... Nice. Yeah. Now, what are you growing this year? I've got squash. Uh, what type got, of squash? Oh... I can't remember the name of it. It's a green squash. I'll have to. It's got an Italian name. The Italian squash. It's an Italian squash. And then, <laughs> I think uh, they call that Tony squash. <laughs> I'll have to look at the tag. It's got a long, yeah. funky name. Oh, okay, yeah. Uh, I've got some tomatoes, some big, the bigger variety tomatoes, and uh, I've got uh, Anaheim chili and jalapeno going. So, yeah. I I went. A little too crazy with peppers last year and i had yeah thank you for that bucket of peppers <laughs> way, i had way too many peppers but i i they put a lot though. of them away in uh jars and made uh pickled jalapenos now you know what i did one year i took uh, my jalapenos and uh, i would take them and i'd hang them and dry them my wife thought they were so beautiful she hung them as a decoration she goes no don't use those i go those are for cooking. <laughs> she, she ended up because she likes to go for the farmhouse look thing. But yeah, they work really well. Um, those habaleros, remember those things I grew? Yeah, those were hot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Those yeah. were hot. So um, this year I'm growing uh, the Italian. I got the crookneck. Um, we've got Roma and Better Boy or whatever they are. They're an heirloom, not Better Boy because that's some GMO, I believe. But they're all non-GMO stuff, um, so I can replicate. I can take those seeds and grow them for the following season. But I've noticed that 
And when we were growing some some other things, we just didn't utilize those as much as we did like our squash. We use that for making breads, zucchini bread, for uh, just steaming, for grilling. Um, the tomatoes, I like, like I said earlier, I like to make a ton of salsa. I use salsa. I could drink my salsa, salsa fresca. And if you want my recipe, just email. I'll send it to you. <laughs> you know, you were talking about seeds and heirloom seeds. And, you know, you ever listen to what, you know, when people got married, they had a, a dowry. Mm. And, you know, that was part of the dowry is people would give their heirloom seeds that's oh. why they call them heirloom seeds they would pass them that's from one family to another i didn't know that yeah it's kind of interesting history behind that and uh um you know a lot of people don't realize you you buy seeds and they call them heirloom seeds and they, you get them from missouri well those seeds are acclimatized to that region that region mm. and that weather and the temperature humidity and you actually need to have those seeds acclimatized to where you live. So if you get them here, they might not germinate. Oh, okay. So people, you really got to think when you do seeds that you have to get them acclimatized for like three or four years in this environment. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, uh, and I've, as a matter of fact, I tried to start some seeds uh, and they would not germinate. And then now, now that makes sense. Why? Yeah. Yeah. And they were relatively fresh. There, there's a whole science behind it. It's, uh, it's pretty interesting. You know, that brings up another thought. People, they buy these heirloom bank seed things like the seed bolts and so on. And um, I had one guy tell me, he goes, man, I could not get my stuff to, to sprout at all. Wow. I wonder if that, what you were just talking mm -hmm. about factored that's into exactly. that. Wow. So that's uh, that's interesting. You know, that kind of makes me think of uh, local honey versus honey bought elsewhere. Quick story. Um, honey, I used to have terrible, terrible allergies. I mean, I, I'd be driving down the road and I would have a sneeze-a-thon and I, I almost crashed. I'm not kidding you. It was so bad at one time. Somebody told me to go and get some local. It's got to be local honey in your area, nowhere else out. And take a tablespoon of that every day. And I did that. And for the reason of all of those pollen, the, the pollen particles and whatever, the science behind it, that gets in your body and it builds up this natural immunity against the, the pollens in your area. Within, I would say, three months, I had no allergies. And to this day, because I, I ended up buying like a bucket. I mean, honey lasts forever. They found honey in some of the Egyptian mines. I mean, it's, it's everywhere. Uh, it holds up, that is. And so... The honey that I, that I took, it was natural, and it made a huge difference, and I don't have the allergies that I used to from just taking the natural honey in the area. Do you know anything about that? Yeah, I have heard about that. You know, and that's funny you said something about the Egyptians because uh, a lot of the honey that they found in the tombs was still edible. Yeah, that's what I was uh, yeah, sort so of... Yeah, so honey has a, a shelf life that's almost infinite. You know how uh, it, it crystallizes after time? And it's a very simple fix. And people, they think, oh, it's toast. No, you no. just need to warm it up. Yep, exactly. Don't throw it in the microwave. <laughs> yeah. And it gets right back to its original. Just a little bit of warm water. And just, yeah. you know, warm it up and it, it melts right back. Right. So in terms of, uh, you were talking about vinegar and the importance of that. And one of the things I always think about is if we are ever in a grid down situation and we don't have access to certain things, 
Can you store up vinegar as well? Does that last for a long it time? It lasts quite a while. Um, I don't know. They put labels on stuff, right. dates, but vinegar is going to last well beyond what it, yeah. those dates. And it's just like anything that we were just talking about with jarring and canning is uh, just you know light temperature mm-hmm. and just keeping it in a in a stable environment now I, I vinegar um has tremendous use there's so many things you can use it for we're not going to get into that because we that could be a whole separate podcast but uh, vinegar is an amazing thing to keep in abundance and keep on store on stock something else is soap um now have you ever made your own soap out of wine? i have not so that's a, that's one of the things I've got all the stuff to do it. I want to make my own soap. Um, there's people that do that. I think it's it's a kind of a fun. It's another good thing to know as a prepper. Like, you know, I, I don't think I'll ever run out of soap because I've got a lot of soap. But it's kind of a it's a fun thing to do. So in regards to canning and going along with something that would kind of like coincide with that, is there anything else you would suggest with canning or about canning? that people would would want to know to get started uh you know youtube is a great resource but you know like with anything i would use a little bit of caution with youtube there's some good books there's some bad info on youtube yeah there's bad info <laughs> there is uh but there's a lot of books a lot of really good books for canning out there and they're they're pretty accurate yeah so let's talk for a moment about pathfinders man scouts and the direction we're going um we have some trainings coming up and they're going to be some really fun trainings especially as we move more into the the warmer temperatures we got uh, one coming up and that's going to be determined date wise but we don't have it yet it's going to be set up in mount pinos which is absolutely beautiful it's in the chumash wilderness area and it's 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 a really and it's not that far from LA. It's uh it's you're way up in it, and we're going to be doing an overnight camp out, and we're going to be doing a basic wilderness survival class. We're going to be doing some rope work, and um, we may be doing some navigation as well. It's just beautiful up there. A lot of the stargazers go into the local parking lot, not too far from the campsite, and. We like to coordinate it around that time because at night, these guys are more than willing to share what they're looking through their scopes. And so it's a, it's a great outing. It's a lot of fun. So please go to PathfindersManscouts.com and keep an eye on the upcoming schedule for our training classes that we'll be offering. This weekend coming up, which is... Da, 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 what, what is the date? It's going to be the 17th, April 17th. We are doing an open class and uh, we're basically, we're just going to be spending, we're going to be really getting to know each other a little better, but we're going to be studying something that Greg has that I I think is going to be so beneficial. Yeah. So I've got a USB uh, video um, compilation. It's uh, four different videos and they're just various survival videos. I think one's a survival and evasion video. class another is a just a basic survival class and then uh, a comms type class communication um, type class for preppers yeah you know one of the things we've been talking about speaking of comms uh, so 
I always go down these rabbit trails, but we were talking about that new system that what's that called the mesh system? Yeah, it's a mesh network system. So essentially, um, there are handheld radios that work on the GMRS um, frequency, um, and essentially, you ha- use a phone app and you you sync the devices together. Yeah, and you're able to send text messages through radio. Yeah. And essentially, each radio becomes its own repeater. So you could have eight of these devices, and people could be spread out throughout the region, and they just bounce from one device to another. Yeah. So how would that compare to say the regular, you know, bubble wrap, uh, GRF, you know, GMRS or FRS um, little radios? Well, with these, you could put an aftermarket antenna and and get a little bit better performance a little bit more gain from from the from the device um i think the biggest thing is you can send a text message and it's only going to go to the radio that's synced Hmm. to it so essentially i guess it would be like a poor man's encryption Hmm. you're not going to get interference from other devices Okay, so there's a nice little security factor. There is there. a security factor to it. Nice. We uh, we 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 depend on radios when we're doing our training, especially if we're out in the field. And um, so this is uh, something that we've talked about that we need to add. Yes. Yeah. Another thing, we got another guy who's in our group. He uh, he picked up some radio telephones. How's that going? He's got like thirteen of them, <laughs> and I think one or two of them yeah. don't he, work, but. Uh, I was able to fix a couple of them. Yeah, uh, some soldering, and uh, they're neat. They're old military field telephones, and you can run a couple miles of cable and yeah, and talk. And that's probably the most secure way to go. Yeah, yeah. And uh, you know that would be used for like an LP and OP situation if you're ever in a bug out or you just want to have comms with uh, people that are up high that you don't really necessarily want to have hacked into their radio or listen to uh so that's that's another form of uh, radio absolutely so these are the kind of things um we do um we 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 are preppers on steroids basically we are the man scouts we take the boy scouts to a whole new level uh and we just do a lot of guy stuff um we we barbecue we do cigars yeah (laughs) we have fun um we uh we're we're just about just hanging out and and being with like-minded people. So if you are interested in what we do and our trainings, please go to Pathfinders Man Scouts. You'll find more information there. The site is being updated. So if you go there and you do not find what you're looking for, this will be taken care of more and more in the in the upcoming weeks. Things are changing and uh, our store is coming up. Our online store. You can also get your Pathfinders. We got merch. We got merch. You can get your uh, Pathfinders uh, coffee mug. Greg is drinking out of one right over there right now. Yes, sir. And uh, he gets a T-shirt for doing this podcast. He gets paid big time, folks. We do not mess around here. So, (laughs) Anyway, um, so we got T-shirts and we got mugs. Uh, We'll be having some other stuff, too. And um, another guy who's uh, our expert wilderness trainer, his name is, well, we'll keep his name private for now. We'll just call him Slick Joe. But he... uh, He's, he's going to be putting some stuff in that store as well. He's got some handmade stuff. Um, yeah, all kinds of things. He's got some great skills. I mean, I'm, 
sure he could put a knife sharpening class on. Oh. He, he knows how to make spoons. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm really excited to learn how to make a spoon. <laughs> he gave me one of those little things. They're, so, they're amazing. Lots of different skills that he's got. So, Yeah. Kind of um, things that have kind of gone by the wayside. Um, on, in terms of uh, primitive type of tool making, uh, how to make bows and arrows. and What's that thing that... Atlatl. Atlatl. Yeah, now that's something I really want to. I want to master that. That thing just looks cool. Yeah, they're they're accurate. Once you learn how to throw one. Yeah. So that's the kind of stuff we do. Um, is there anything else you want to bring up or talk about? No, no. I think uh, we've covered it. All right. Well, we thank you so much for taking time to listen to this podcast. And again, um, please go to Pathfinders Man Scouts. There you will be able to find who we are. You can sign up for our newsletter there. We uh, have blogs coming up, and uh, we have our store that will be online very, very soon. So again, thank you. This is Tony and Greg. Hasta la vista, baby. See ya. (laughs) Take care.